Mackenzie kept telling herself that if the family had stuck together after Alexander died, it would be different. Easier, somehow. Jason suggested that things do not just fall apart like that. There must have been a crack in the structure already, he'd said. Your brother's death was just the catalyst. She had found his theory too ridiculous to be taken even a little seriously. Mackenzie carried an image of her family in which they were all in Rhode Island together in the big white Victorian house that her great-grandfather had built. She imagined them around the Queen Anne table, with cranberry candles in the just-polished candlesticks, and, teetering in the center of the table, an angel that Alexander had made from dough in a long-ago art class. The food was familiar and comforting, and everyone was smiling. It wasn't a real moment, but rather a combination of many moments, all true in some way. The curl of her mother's auburn hair, the sound of her father clearing his throat, a habit of his, how Alexander squinted when he concentrated. Daisy, her brother's ex-wife, wasn't in it, although their son, Sam, usually was. And Grammy's sternness, her sense of manners and protocol, hovered somewhere off-center. But what dominated this montage were Mackenzie's feelings of love, of rightness in that house. Sorry, Sigmund, she'd told Jason. Your theory doesn't hold for the porters. Gently, he had reminded her that in the stories she'd told him, she had often mentioned her mother's moodiness, her father's silence. Those are personality traits, she'd said. Don't distort them. Now she and Jason were in her apartment on Bedford Street. He had suggested a matinee, brunch at the NoHo Star, the clay show at the Museum of Modern Art. But the day was cold and wet, and Mackenzie had said it was a day to stay home. Besides, Jason was leaving in a few days for a small town upstate, where the new play he'd written was going to be performed as a workshop production. So they stayed in and made love, while an old Tarzan movie played on television with the sound turned off. Jason lay sprawled on the sofa bed. The couch itself was covered in a happy chintz, pinks, and vivid reds. The sheets were scattered with tiny yellow roses. Let's go to the flower garden, Jason had whispered earlier as he urged her toward the couch. Mackenzie had turned the one bedroom into her darkroom, Her landlord had told her that Washington Irving had once lived in the apartment, and Dylan Thomas, though not together, of course, he'd added. She loved the slightly sloping floors, the careful fleur-de-lis pattern carved into the moldings along the ceilings. If she was working late at night in the darkroom, snores rose through the floorboards from the apartment below. Now classical music drifted up. Mozart. Are you awake? She whispered to Jason. Trying, he said. She wrapped herself in her old kimono and curled up on the window seat to look out. The right sleeve of the kimono had faded in spots from pale peach to, surprisingly, lemon yellow. The wind rattled the windows and something halfway between rain and snow fell. Mackenzie tested herself. She focused on a wreath hanging on a door directly across the street. It was fastened with a big red and green plaid bow. This is silly, she mumbled. Behind her, Jason stirred, 
yawned. Tarzan is still on, he said. In two weeks, she thought, this will be over. I will have gotten through Christmas. Have you thought about my idea, he asked, to spend Christmas upstate with me?